wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God, faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. Uh, This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary. I'm a minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church here in the beautiful city of Adelaide. I'm also your drive time host every Tuesday and Wednesday. But of course, today is Thursday. And uh, so what? Is Pastor Gary doing in the studio today? Uh, today I'm taking the place of uh, of Pastor Fabiano. Pastor Fabiano and his good wife have just given uh, given birth uh, to their to their third child, and he's having a number of a number of weeks off. And uh, their their little son, uh, I believe, is uh, is yet to be yet to be named. But we're really looking forward to that, so that we can um, uh, we can uh, send a, a big cheerio to them. Perhaps you might like to recommend a name uh, to uh, to. Pastor Fabiano, um, if you'd like to recommend a name, um, please feel free to uh, to text us in here on our regular text number 04888-808-11. Now, this week, uh, we're looking at the theme, the fire of revival. Is it possible? Uh, this subject... I believe this is so important uh, that we're actually following this uh, this theme uh, all this week and also all next week. Uh, today in particular, we're looking at the issue of a carnal Christianity. Is that an oxymoron or is that an oxymoron? It's almost, it, it is a contradiction in terms. How is it possible to have carnal Christianity? But you know, the world in which we're living, it's all too, uh, too real. Uh, now, of course, today uh, and for every day this week and it's fantastic to uh, welcome her back again our co-host is uh, Lindy Sperring she's in the chair every single day this week and next week as well and uh, Lindy is the prayer ministries coordinator for the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz welcome to you Lindy Hey, Pastor Gary, how are you? Lovely to be here again. It is wonderful uh, to have you in uh, in that seat. Really appreciate uh, everything you've been you've been sharing. Uh, loved uh, yesterday's program. I was here in the studio, although I didn't say very much uh, uh, just uh, yesterday. Uh, tell us, Lindy. Now, look, how do you sh- how do you? Um, I mean, you do a tremendous amount of of ministry. Um, but what do you do in your non-ministry time? I mean, do you have any uh, any hobbies, any sports? I mean, uh, you know, how do you and Glenn uh, occupy yourselves? Well, when we're not in non yeah, when we're not in ministry time, I suppose we love traveling, driving, walking. We love walking at the beach, we love walking in the mountains. We both love to read, we love to sit and relax and read, but we especially love exploring all the beautiful areas here in South Australia. So it's been just wonderful for us when we have that time that is free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I really appreciate what you say. That I, I know one of my uh, favourite uh, non-ministry, although I've got to admit it does flow across into ministry as, as well, but uh, is certainly visiting uh, so many other different areas. I love international travel. I love uh, domestic travel. Uh, I, uh, uh, you know, I've been th- thankfully I've had the privilege of going to to, to many parts in the uh, in the world, and uh, to me, I. Uh, 
I, I hope I get opportunity to do that again in this uh, post-COVID uh, environment. Let's hope so, for sure. Uh, yeah, yeah. Look, Lindy, let's come to our uh, World Religion News Report. Now, every day we do try to have uh, World Religion News. Now, folks, if you would like to make a comment on our World Religious News article, if you'd like to say something, you can text us in. Now, our text number is 04888-80811. Just text us here to the studio. Uh, if you've got a thought or a comment uh, or something that you'd like to share, 04888 80811. We would love uh, to have your your feedback. Now, look, you might remember that just a uh, uh, a week or so back, I, I shared uh, a report from the American Bible Society uh, where they released their twenty their twenty twenty two State of the Bible Survey. Uh, now, that was released last month. We shared on it about a week or so ago, and yes, you heard it first here on uh, Faith FM <laughs> Drive Time. Um, now, the results of that survey weren't particularly promising. They discovered, this is the American Bible Society, an unprecedented drop in the percentage of Bible users in the United States. In fact, they reported that nearly 26 million Americans reduced or stopped their interaction with Scripture in the past year. Now, that article concluded that this was really tragic on so many levels. And, uh, uh, and they concluded by, uh, by offering some suggestions as to why that might be. Uh, well, we had a little bit of a discussion at that time as to why that, uh, that might have been. But just today, I picked up another, uh, another report that, uh, might explain why this is in fact the case. Now, uh, the, it came from uh, one of my uh, uh, sites that I, I visit, the Christian Headlines uh, site, and uh, uh, it's entitled Shocking a New Poll, and again, this comes out of America, but only 37% of US pastors hold a biblical worldview. Now, uh, this research was done by the Barna uh, organisation, uh, but this was the uh, conclusion that they they came to a majority of christian pastors in the united states do not hold a biblical world view according to a to surprising new research from pollster george barner who says the data shows a spiritual awakening is needed just as desperately in our pulpits as in our pews the survey that was released last Thursday by the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University shows that only 37% of pastors in the U.S. hold a biblical worldview. In other words, they hold uh, to all that which is uh, presented uh, within a scriptural context. And then they started to break down the figures even even more. Uh, this is this is uh, their conclusion on the figures broken down amongst senior or lead pastors, 41%, they said, possess a biblical worldview, less than half. The highest percent, that was the highest percentage within the subgroup of pastors. Less than one third of associate or assistant pastors, the number was actually 28%, uh, had a biblical worldview. From teaching pastors, only 13% had a biblical worldview. And when it came to uh, children's or youth pastors, 
his conclusion from his surveys uh, was that only 12% held a biblical worldview. Now, to me, uh, I looked at that. I could scarcely believe it. You know, in the accompanying report, uh, it actually labelled the findings as shocking. Well, I think shocking is certainly the uh, correct term for uh, uh, for those uh, types of results. And uh, it kept on and, and shared in this way. Uh, this is another strong piece of evidence that the culture is influencing the American church more than Christian churches are influencing the culture, said Barna. Director of Research at the University's Cultural Research Centre. But then he concluded by talking about the results on children's ministries uh, leaders. Uh, this is uh, uh, this is what he, he shared. He said the data on children's pastors and youth pastors uh, is particularly discouraging. Keep in mind, Barna said, a person's worldview primarily develops before the age of 13 then goes through a period of refinement during their teens and twenties. From a worldview perspective, a church's most important ministers are the children's pastor and the youth pastor. Discovering that seven out of every eight of those pastors lack a biblical worldview helps us explain why so few people in the nation's youngest generations are developing a heart and mind for biblical principles and biblical, biblical ways of life and why our society seems to have run wild over the past decade in Particular. Now, when I read that particular uh, report, uh, I have to admit I, I was shocked because I knew that things were, were winding down, that the churches were moving more and more uh, away from the, the Word of God. Um, but to that extent, this was something that really surprised me. Now, uh, Lindy, now look, can I just just uh, toss a couple of questions to you? Now, look, um, this is an uh, American-based survey. Uh, do you think that these results are, would be replicated in Australia? Do you think they're similar, or uh, I mean, I know I know it's only sort of off the off the cuff this uh, this type of thing, but uh, you know. I mean, Australia and America, yeah, we've got similarities, we've got differences. What do you think on this one? When we moved from Melbourne to South Australia, Pastor Gary, we considered Adelaide the city of churches and that there was a strong spiritual heritage here, particularly through the Lutherans, the German people who came to live here in South Australia. And yet, as we drive around, a lot of the churches are being turned into hairdressing salons and hotels or Restaurants, art studios, art studios, and and I I think there is evidence here in Australia that similar to America, that culture has impacted the church instead of it being the other way around. Mm. The church should be the strong leader in society of values and principles, and even people who don't go to church and perhaps don't worship God, most people would really like society to operate around values and principles. And so if it's not coming from the church and it's not coming from our pastors, why are they pastors? What is their handbook? If you buy a new car, you get a handbook and a manual in there and you don't go and get a manual from a different car and try to get the car to run along those lines. Yeah. And so if you're, if you're training to be a pastor or a chaplain, what's your handbook? Isn't it the word of God? Isn't it the Bible? Yeah. Yeah. No, look, that's, that's really powerful. I, I appreciate what you're actually saying there. I mean, the survey, uh, it, I'm particularly interested in what the survey says about, um, pastors of 
children's ministries. You know, a seven in every eight don't have a biblical worldview. Do you think that might go some way to explaining why, you know, the scriptures are almost uh, becoming defunct? Absolutely, because our young people need to know, and not just from our pastors, let's be honest, they should be learning that in the home. Yes, yes, yes. And perhaps the Christian school, and then, of course, at church. If they're not, if they're not getting that taught to them at that young age from, from the moment they can understand things and, and take things in, then you've got a big problem. Tell me, how do you actually, I mean, as a, as a parent, how do you practically do that? I mean, how do you actually, uh, share the Bible with little tackers? Well, for me and Glenn, when our children were young, we'd read them age appropriate books. And with, with principles and values, you know, children love the story of Noah's Ark. They mm. can relate to the fact that there's animals. They love the story of baby Jesus. Yeah. And so you start, even I've heard of mothers in the womb singing Christian songs, maybe even speaking the word over their unborn baby and claiming God's promises. And so there's so many ways you can impart to your children the truths of the mm. Bible at mm. any age. In other words, this is a, this is a parental role, but it's also a church role and to uplift uh, the word of God, to be able Absolutely. to share that, uh, that which has been imparted to us, uh, through the, through the centuries. Absolutely. Look, uh, tell us another thing, uh, Lindy. Now look, um, this, uh, this, this week, we're talking about the, uh, the issue of spiritual life. We're talking about the issue of revival. Uh, we're talking about, uh, the issue of, you know, dead churches being revived. Now look, do you think, uh, there's any link between the loss of spiritual life in the loss, in the case of many Christians and their attitude to the Bible? I think there's a very strong link and perhaps it's due to not understanding or being taught by the Bible or not reading it. I've, I know a lot of Christians don't read the Bible very much. Yeah. Uh, I know a lot of Christians don't pray very much because yeah. they've told me. And so if they're not connected to that source of power, if they don't value that manual, that word, those, this living word, then it's going to be reflected in their life and, and mm. in their, in the way they see life, the way they value life, the way they do life. And so. Yeah. We've got a problem. You know, Lindy, one of the things that I'm conscious of is that I'm one of those people who does have the privilege of sitting down and sharing the scriptures uh, with uh, a multitude of people from time to time. And one of the things that really, um, really cuts at me is the paucity of biblical understanding. You know, one of the things that I, I will remember a little while ago, uh, I, I had the privilege. I was opening the Word with a with a young man who was showing some real interest in the in the Word of God, and uh, I, I was talking to him about uh, some of the the great prophecies in the Book of Daniel, and uh, we were having a great time together. Anyway, about uh, three three or four nights into our discussion together, he just stopped me and he said, "By the way, uh, Gary," he said, uh, "Who is Daniel?" And, uh, I thought, oh, no, you, you, you I, I hope I haven't gone in too, too high too quickly. And I said, well, do you remember Daniel, the sixth century BC prophet? You know, do you remember the story of Daniel and the lions then? And he said to me, he said, no, I haven't heard that story. What, what happened there? 
And all of a sudden I realized that I was trying to talk prophecy uh, to a young man uh, from a biblical perspective uh, and he didn't know the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And I have to admit, uh, I felt rather embarrassed at that uh, at that particular point. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm so conscious that um, the issue that has been brought out in uh, in this research, I believe, is so, so appropriate to us uh, to us today. Now folks, look, if if you've got any thoughts or comments that you'd like to make on that research, if you've got anything that you'd like to say, please feel free to to contact us. 04888 80811. You can't ring us, but you can text us. Just if you'd like to make a comment, 04888 and, uh, uh, and we would, uh, love to hear, uh, what you've got to say. I believe that this is some of the most significant research that is coming out right now. Personally, I do believe it can be replicated uh, in Australia, and I think similar studies would, uh, bring out, uh, similar, similar results. Uh, it, I think it's a challenge uh, for every Christian, every Christian church, and particularly every uh, Christian uh, pastor. I, I would say one last thing uh, uh, to, to, to those who do attend church, I just hope and pray that people look for churches that are thoroughly biblically based. Um, you know, this is actually just so important and whose pastors uh, are preaching from the Word of God. Guys, look, let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, this is uh, Sandra Eterman, and uh, I love uh, I love this particular song, uh, Sea of Forgetfulness. Uh, please enjoy uh, all that uh, Sandra uh, is, uh, is sharing with us. Sea of Forgetfulness. I stand before you guilty and unworthy How can I be forgiven and holy And I know I break your heart But you promised I could start all over And all the things I've done You've placed them each and every one Into the sea of forgetfulness You placed all of my sin For I am the one who keeps reminding you Over and over again Into the sea of forgetfulness As far as the east from the west Seventeen times seven You've forgiven me And you keep cleansing me And placing my sin Into the sea of forgetfulness You welcome me with open arms of In spite of all I've done, you still keep loving me And I only need to ask, and you erase all of my past forever My debts have all been paid, they have all been washed All of my sin For I am the one who keeps reminding you Over and over again Into the 
sin into the sea of forgetfulness. And that is Sandra Eaterman, and uh, she's singing The Sea of Forgetfulness. And indeed, uh, that's where uh, our sin can be cast when we ask. I really appreciate Sandra Ederman, uh, The Sea of Forgetfulness. Beautiful, a beautiful song. Uh, now, folks, look, uh, we do have, uh, uh, we did have a couple of responses, by the way. Thank you so much for those responses and uh, really appreciate uh, one in uh, in particular. Um, uh, one uh, one gentleman did, did actually ask us, he said, how do they actually define worldview? Now, look, that's a really, really good question. Look, can I just uh, uh, suggest that uh, you did, yeah, just go and have a look at the uh, Arizona Christian uh, website. It's a uh, uh, it's a little bit of a, a longer answer than what we're able to give right now. But look, if you go to the Arizona Christian University uh, website and uh, dig into the Cultural Research Center uh, at the Arizona Christian University, and uh, you need release number five, uh, and that uh, that'll give you the most recent uh, release that deals with this uh, this particular uh, subject. It's certainly something that's worth discussing uh, maybe uh, at your church, at your church youth group, uh, maybe at a, uh, at a Friday night uh, program uh, with your young people uh, to get their feedback. Now, look, guys, uh, we do have a giveaway today as well. Now, our giveaway uh, is uh, entitled The Science of Prayer. Uh, now, this is a real uh, a beauty. Have you ever felt like your prayers never get past the ceiling, that God didn't hear you? that your prayers were old and stale. Now, of course, this week we're talking about revival. Revival is based uh, so much on a powerful prayer life. Uh, This particular book, The Science of Prayer, Learning from the Master, uh, we're looking at the the Lord's Prayer. It's only a short book. It's not a complex book. Uh, A wonderful devotional book uh, that will allow you to build uh, your prayer life. It's called The Science of Prayer. Now, folks, look, if you would like uh, your own copy of the science of prayer uh, all you need to do is to text us here on our studio text number uh, that number is 04888 80811 04888880811 and all you need to do is to uh, give us the uh, the code the code is SA46 SA46 no gap between the SA and the 46 just SA46 and uh, uh, we will have our robot uh, our robot's called Faithful he's a he's a friendly robot uh, you'll love uh, being corresponded with uh, uh, with uh, him uh, he'll actually ask you a few questions uh, so that we can get this uh, book to you in the fastest uh, possible way. Uh, so no one's going to uh, try to give you uh, give you a hard time or, or ask you difficult questions. Just a robot uh, will ask you the questions we need to be able to get the uh, the book uh, the book to you. Uh, that number again is oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven. And all you need to do is just send SA forty six. 
uh, to us and uh, we will uh, we will respond uh, our robot will respond uh, very quickly if you'd like to send us a message as well on that same number 04888 80811 you're most welcome uh, to actually also send us this uh, uh, send us a thought a comment uh, maybe something that uh, uh, some feedback that you'd like to give to us because that also comes through to our studio uh, text number so that number again is 04888 80811 it's worthwhile uh, programming that into your phone so you can just push that one button and uh, and claim these wonderful offers SA46 is the code for for this uh, for this week and we've already got people texting in uh, asking for uh, for this uh, this particular book the science of prayer learning from the master uh, by Peter uh, Peter Gregory now you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary and today our co-host is Lindy Sperring uh, and Lindy's the Prayer Ministries Coordinator for the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in uh, South Oz. Uh, now this week we're looking at the theme, the fire of revival, is it possible? And the subject, to, to me, this subject is just so important uh, that we're actually going to be following this uh, uh, this theme all this week and again into next week. Uh, and today we're looking at the whole challenge of carnal Christianity. And you know, some time ago I just uh, I, I did share earlier in the week uh, that uh, that I I had the privilege a, a little while ago to do some research into the history of uh, of revivals, and uh, that. Was was an incredible blessing just reading some of the stories of uh, of things that have occurred in uh, in times past and one story i came across uh went went like this uh, above the arctic circle in russia uh, there was an oil town called mersmank it was a miserable place its winters last most of the year in the mid uh, uh 1990s there was a dying church uh, they once had 22 members but because the people didn't move there unless they had to move there uh, the attrition rate was absolutely severe and they ended up with only eight members the pastor his wife and six men who worked on oil rigs uh, they did a reality check and concluded they were destined to die, to die unless something radical were to take place but what should they do how can you share the gospel in a place like that they decided uh, to uh, not look to their circumstances, but instead to the Lord. They began to pray for the Holy Spirit to yield their lives in full consecration to Jesus. But in this frozen tundra, they needed encouragement and accountability. So they came up with an idea. Every icy morning at six, seven men met at the Walrus Club. I love this, Lindy. I think this is fantastic. Uh, they stripped to their shorts, uh, walked onto the frozen lake to a designated fishing hole and submerged themselves in the hole one after another. Uh, then they knelt around the hole, arms on each other's shoulders and earnestly prayed for the fire of the Holy Spirit to melt their hearts with a love uh, for other people. Why such eccentric behaviour, you may wonder? Couldn't they have just met inside someone's living room by a fire to have prayer? Uh, perhaps that what uh, I would have done. Uh, but the men of Mersmank uh, wanted to hold themselves accountable to God. 
Uh, to da- the daily dip in the freezing waters was their pledge that they'd be ready to lead people to the waters of baptism every single day, rain, snow or ice. They would not wait until summer to receive God's Spirit. The daily routine was to hold each other accountable to the service of God. Now, Lindy, we're going to flick across to you in just a, uh, just a moment. Uh, and, uh, of course, you're going to be digging into this, is- this issue of the challenge of carnal Christianity. But tell me, these guys, felt that it was important to hold each other accountable. Now, before you start, can I just throw this question to you? Do you think accountability is important in this whole side, in, in our Christian experience? I think the disciples showed us that accountability is important. Okay. When they were leaving Pentecost at the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, they, they did hold each other accountable. They met together. They perhaps challenged each other. They went out normally more than just one person. And it sounds like these gentlemen really wanted to make, they wanted to show God perhaps that they were serious about what they were asking for. And and you're right, Pastor Gary, most of us wouldn't want to strip off and go out into the freezing cold. But perhaps that um, that expression of their, their keen desire to want to make a difference was able to break through some of the barriers in their human nature, the pride, self-sufficiency, and also Mm. for the Lord to work through them in in a more powerful way. I know know in my churches, you know, I mean, we've certainly had times where we've really wanted to build the spiritual life of uh, of our church and uh, one of the things that that we've done is um, uh, held each other accountable by uh, having an online uh, prayer gathering at you know at six or seven in the in the morning. Yes. Uh, I mean, right now I, I know my my church elders we're meeting uh, seven a.m. once a week just to simply pray mm. through through these issues. But uh, certainly by coming together at a time, you actually hold each other accountable because you know you can't skip out uh, on on everybody on everybody else. But I I, I I sort of thought, hey, this is this appears to be rather eccentric behaviour, uh, but hey. It would certainly hold you accountable. Uh-huh. I think all revivals show so signs like the Welsh revival and other revivals that have happened across the world show signs of people that are so dedicated that they're willing perhaps to to do something a little unusual. If you look at what the prophets were doing too in the Bible in the Old Testament, sometimes God called them to do something very unusual and different. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Revival. No. We want revival, or perhaps we have to ask God how we're going to have. And sometimes it. we actually have to put the the effort, dare I say it, uh, into spending time with God. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's Lindy, okay, look, I, I'm taking up your time and I'm, uh, I, I'm really sorry for doing that. Uh, but look, Lindy, today's subject, um, the challenge of carnal Christianity. I mean, carnal Christianity, is it an oxymoron almost? I mean, uh, open this one up for us. Well, you would think so, wouldn't you, Pastor Gary? You would think it just doesn't make sense. But if we look at what Jesus taught, and in Matthew 25, we have a little bit of a look today, and this is after Matthew 24, where Jesus is questioned by his disciples about the time of the end. And so it really does tie in with the time of the end, this parable, and he loved to use parables and stories, which are good good ways for us to remember. And if you think about this parable of the ten virgins, mm-hmm. so here's these ten virgins waiting for the bridegroom, 
with Jesus. So they're waiting for a marriage or a marriage feast or a coming together with their bridegroom. And it's it's a connecting with Jesus, an intimate connection with Jesus. And there are ten of these virgins. And it says that five are wise and five are foolish. Just tell us a, a little bit about this parable, because I'm conscious that some of our listeners may not be familiar with. I mean, this is a, a parable of ten virgins. They're going to, or they're waiting for a wedding feast. What's actually taking place here? So it says, oh, Jesus says, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. So here's ten virgins. They've got their lamps because it's obviously dark or getting dark. And this was very much the practice in Jesus' day, wasn't it? That you carried a lantern? Absolutely. Absolutely. And also that when you were getting married, you were a virgin. And so, as I said, Jesus speaks in parables and he says that five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Mm -hmm. So they would have had their lamp that would have had some oil in it at that time, but they didn't take some extra oil, Mm -hmm. whereas the wise virgins, they took extra oil in the vessel for their lamps. And But while they were waiting... They all slumbered and slept, which is very interesting, isn't it? Mm. So whether they were wise or foolish, they were waiting, they became tired, and they nodded off and and snoozed a little bit like the disciples did when Jesus asked them to pray before he went to the cross. And it says, At midnight a cry was heard, Behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. And so they would have been quite excited, all ten of them. The bridegroom's coming, Mm. he's been delayed, we can't wait to see him. And then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And that's what they did. They would trim the lamp so that it would uh, shine brightly. But the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. So even though they trimmed them, they were getting excited, they were ready to go, they didn't have enough oil. But the wise said, no, we can't give you our oil because then we won't have enough. But go and buy some for yourselves. Sounds like a bit mean, really, doesn't it? Yeah. You have to go and get it. But this is a parable. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding and then the door was shut. Mm. And this is a, this is a sort of a, a parable that could have some repercussions or some concerns for us as Christians. And so the foolish virgins came and said, Lord, Lord, open to us. And this is the words that really, really touches our hearts. He said and answered, Assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. Now that word know in the Bible, in the Old Testament, when a a man and woman came together, they would use that word and they knew each other, Mm -hmm. had that intimacy. And yes, it implied the sexual union, but it also implied the intimate relationship that they had. And here's Jesus wanting an intimate relationship with his his people. He says, I didn't know you. So you said before, and we talked about it being an oxymoron, carnal Christianity. It is an oxymoron, but it's actually true that you can be a Christian, that you can believe in the word of God, that you're waiting for Jesus to come, that you believe that you love Jesus, and yet you really don't know him. Mm. You don't know him intimately. Mm. What I found interesting about this parable, Pastor Gary, and I'm, I imagine that you've thought this yourself, All the ten of these virgins, all ten of them were virgins. All of them were Christians. 
They all believe the Bible. There's so many similarities between the two groups. I think the thing that stands out to me in this, in this parable is that they, uh, you know, this encompasses all Christians. You know, it talks about, you know, the, uh, the, the pastor or the priest. Uh, it includes the deacon and the elder. That's right. Uh, it includes the, uh, you know, the person who, uh, uh, who comes to church regularly. You know, it's got this whole spectrum because even in Jesus' day, you get Christ talking to the religious leaders and saying, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you know, because what they were doing was going through a routine, going through rote, as it were, and some, there was something else that was actually missing. There's something missing. What seems to be sad here is that, that perhaps they didn't realize they were missing it. Mm. Otherwise, they wouldn't have got this far along in the story, would they? Is it possible to to actually not realize that you're you're lacking something? Is that possible? I, this is something that I, I suppose I've you know I've I've struggled uh, many many times with this uh, uh, with this particular uh, this particular issue. I, I know that. Uh, um, uh, uh, certainly, um, uh, sometimes it actually requires the Holy Spirit to actually start moving, doesn't it? You know, before a person starts to realize that, hey, my need is actually far greater than even what I realize myself. Absolutely. And isn't it interesting that we use the, the oil is representing the Holy Spirit. These, these virgins, they, they knew the word of God. They were all looking forward to the second coming. And, and I think all of us can sometimes say, well, yes, you know, I love the word. I'm looking forward to the second coming. They all went to sleep, as I said. They all heard the call and woke up. So what is the difference? What seems to be the main difference between these two groups of virgins that Jesus talks about? Virgins that are foolish, virgins that are wise, all waiting to see Jesus. And as we consider ourselves and our walk with the Lord, is it possible that there's something missing in our lives that we hadn't realized? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that in fact, is uh, the, the absolute essential, the key question that uh, I think every Christian person does actually uh, face. You know, as I think of, for example, John chapter 3, you know, Christ is talking to that man Nicodemus. Now, of course, Nicodemus is a ruler of the Jews. He's, uh, he's on the, he's on the guiding committee. He's on the, uh, the, the group that, uh, you know, we would call him today, you know, the bishop. You know, he, he's at that particular level. Mm. But Christ looks at him and, and says, uh, Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the spirit, you shall not see the kingdom of God. Mm. And uh, Nicodemus uh, uh, responds, how can these things be? I don't get it. Mm. Uh, and, of course, course, Christ re- uh, responds to him and says, how can you be a leader in Israel and you don't get this uh, this stuff? Uh, because apparently a baptism by water and the Spirit. Now, it's important that we understand what it is uh, to be uh, baptized by the Spirit because uh, there's certainly a lot of um, um, erroneous understandings um, certainly floating in our world, and we're going to come to that uh, just uh, j- just a little bit uh, a little bit later. Um, there's a scripture in First John three twenty four that says, "Now he this might give us a bit of a clue. Now he who keeps his commandments abides in him, and he in him." And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given us. You know, when we consider that we accept Jesus, we accept his teachings, we accept his gospel, 
And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We actually need to accept the fullness of Jesus, if you like. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, if you like. There's, There's three parts. Do we understand it? Can we explain it perfectly? No, but we can have enough understanding to know that when we accept Jesus, we also need to accept this spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives in us, that gives Christ in us the hope of glory. So if we're rejecting the Holy Spirit and we're not asking him to live in us, in a way, we're rejecting Jesus. That's that's exactly correct because, you know, one of the, my favorite passages of Scripture, and we're going to come to some music in a moment, but one of my favorite passages of Scripture is actually found in Philippians chapter 2 where uh, we find Paul talking about, uh, let this mind be in you that is also in Christ Jesus. Now, that to me is a remarkable statement because Paul is saying, I want the mind that was in Jesus when he went to the cross, when he went to Garden of Gethsemane, when he was living on this earth, I want that same mind to Function in your head, you know. And to me, I look at that and I say, "Hey, how can that be?" Well, it can only happen when a person, of course, has the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Because at that point, Amen. what happens? They're starting to think differently, and you know, the Holy Spirit starts to bubble out of them. And uh, to That's me, right. it's it's the way that the the Holy Spirit impacts the mind uh, that is actually so important in this whole discussion. But look, Absolutely. let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, let's come to uh, I love this song. And look, guys, you'll have to have to excuse me. This uh, goes back to my my era. Uh, but this is Andre Crouch. Um, it's not just a story. Uh, please enjoy uh, Andre Andre Crouch. I heard the story of Jesus. Sounded like music in my head. Became real to me. 
and that is Andre Crouch, and uh, he's singing. Uh, it's not just a story, and it's not just a story. Uh, guys, this is just so real. Uh, there is so much power. This is life-changing power. Really appreciate what Lindy's actually sharing for us. Um, now, look, uh, guys, we do have um, some uh, giveaway again, and, of course, uh, today's giveaway is the book The Science of Prayer, and uh, really appreciate those of you who have asked that. We've had a number uh, given away already. Uh, we do have a couple more left. This is called The Science of Prayer by uh, uh, Peter Gregory, learning from the, the Master. Have you ever felt like your prayers and never went past the ceiling that God didn't hear you, that your prayers were old and stale? Peter Gregory digs into the Lord's Prayer uh, and looks at how that can be, tra- how the Lord's Prayer can be transforming in our own life. The science of prayer. I, uh, I love uh, that particular title. Now, folks, if you would like your own copy of the science of prayer, all you need to do is to text us here at the at the studio. Uh, that number again is oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven oh four triple eight eight oh eight eleven. And just give us the code, and the code is SA46. No gap between the SA and the 46, just SA46. And our friendly robot called Faithful, he'll uh, he'll contact you and uh, just get the information off you so that we can get that to you in the fastest uh, possible possible manner. Uh, he's, uh, he's a friendly robot. Now, look, guys, if you've got any, uh, any uh, comments that you'd like to make, a positive thought, perhaps a, a comment, if you'd like to just say, say hello to somebody here at the studio, you can also do that by uh, texting that message to us uh, on uh, that same number, 0488-808-11. Now, you are listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with uh, Pastor Gary, and today our co-host is uh, Lindy Sperring, and Lindy's the Prayer Ministries uh, Coordinator for the Seventh-day Adventist Church here in South Oz. Uh, Now, this week, uh, we're looking at the theme, The Fire of Revival, is it possible? Uh, we're so conscious that there is so much uh, dead Christianity around today. What's actually involved in having the fire of revival? How does it come? This subject is just so important uh, that we're actually following that theme all this week and we're following it again uh, next week. And today we're looking at uh, this issue of carnal Christianity. And Lindy's been taking us through particularly uh, the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins. Now, Lindy, look, do you have any practical application? We are coming towards the end of our program. We've probably got another 10 minutes uh, to, to, to run. Um, can, you, can you just bring it all together for us? Sure. Carnal Christianity, it's hard to sort of understand how we can be a Christian. We've dedicated our lives to God. We, we've accepted the gospel, the good news, and, and we feel that we're living the life that God wants us to live. And yet in Romans 8, 9, it says, Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if we ex- if we reject the Holy Spirit, or if we're not seeking after the Holy Spirit, are we rejecting Christ in our lives? It's mm. a question we all need to ask ourselves. You know, when you join any group or club, there's always some guidelines or rules that are expected. Yeah. You know, if yeah. you joined a football club and what's so South Australian? I only know about Carlton and Hawthorne from Victoria. Try I'm sorry. Port. Try Port Adelaide. Oh. Sorry. If you joined the Port Adelaide football club, 
It wouldn't be appropriate, for example, if you kept talking about another team and barracking for another team. If you're joining Port Adelaide, then you want to support them and you're going to wear their uniform colours and you're going to be supportive of it. And it also wouldn't be appropriate if you misbehaved all the time or you were aggressive. Every club, what I'm trying to say is every club or every team or anything that you join has rules of of engagement and, and they have expectations of you. And I suppose when you join a church, there's always some guidelines, rules or commandments or boundaries that we have mm. when we join a church. It's just mm. the same as we join another group. And so perhaps we can join the group, join the church, and we're thinking we're abiding by all the rules, you know, we're, we're not swearing perhaps or yeah. We're, yeah. we're dressing a certain way, we're trying to be kind to others. But there's more to it than that, isn't there? But there's something missing in this. And really what's so exciting about it is sometimes in the football club I, I could muck up a bit and get in a bit of trouble. Perhaps yeah, I do yeah. something I shouldn't do. Yeah. And there really isn't much, um, there's not much help for me, but I need to control my, my behavior. Tell me something, Lindy. Now, look, I'm really conscious that, uh, you know, I mean, to, to move beyond the stage of carnal Christianity. Now, I'm conscious that, I mean, we've been giving away a book today, particularly talking about prayer, because uh, that is key uh, to moving beyond, and I'm anxious that we move beyond carnal Christianity. Now, look, can you just tell me, you know, your own, I mean, your own prayer life, your own prayer time, how do you, I mean, when do you pray? I mean, do you pray regularly? Do you pray, have you got a set time every day? How do you do that? Yes, yes, you're sort of jumping to where I'm going, and I suppose what I'm trying to say or, or to illustrate is that when we belong to a church, we can we can discipline ourselves to have all these right behaviours and be part of the club. Yeah. But the only way we can really be a successful Christian, if you like, to a wise virgin, a, a sh- rather than a goat, but a but a sheep, all the different analogies in the Bible that talk and and compare those who are committed and fully committed to the Lord and those who who aren't is through. That prayer time is through that seeking God. It's connecting with God. Mm. You know, for me, Pastor Gary, I can't have any impact or any spiritual influence or even to be an overcomer of sin unless I'm connected to that source of power and Mm -hmm. I'm praying regularly. And so carnal Christians are often operating in their own strength. You're trying to do it in your own strength. You're trying to be the right sort of person. But a spiritual Christian is one who is operating in God's strength. So how do you do it? How do I do it? I mean, for myself, I mean, I find myself, I mean, I'm, I, I'm naturally a morning person. Not everyone is a morning person. I get that and I understand that. Um, not everybody can do that. But for me, uh, I find the, you know, the, the first, um, three quarters of an hour that I'm, I'm up, uh, that to me is really important time as far as my, you know, Bible is concerned, as far as, you know, communicating with, with God is concerned. You know, I, I certainly, you know, this morning I spent, um, I think about 20, 25 minutes actually in, in prayer, uh, and, uh, uh, and of course reading the word is, is so key in Absolutely. that, in that whole, whole process as well. I mean, how and sometimes th- you don't feel like doing it, and I think it's a re- recognizing that without God, we wouldn't even be breathing. He gives us breath. So when we recognize that as soon as you wake up, even if you're not a morning person, as soon as you wake up, recognize God in your life. 
Call mm. out to him. Thank you for bringing me through the night. Start praising his name. We should be praising him all day. Yeah. Talk to him. Engage with him. Uh, there's a, an amazing testimony of a pastor who understood after listening and reading the book Steps to Personal Revival, he said he cried for hours and had a sleepless night. It was painful because he realized that he was probably part of the foolish virgin group. But now he had some assurance and a great blessing that the Holy Spirit had filled his heart. He wishes he could explain what a miracle it is. And I know that when I started to understand about the Holy Spirit living in me, I was transformed. I was changed. And he says that it was like Jesus entering the temple of his life and cleansing it. And he realized that God's spirit cleansed his spirit and that some of the thoughts and feelings that he'd had had changed. And so he sought God in a new way. So, Pastor Gary, I think if any of us realize that we're carnal Christians, then isn't it wonderful that God's revealed to us life transforming truth truth, and that is the Holy Spirit that is a remedy to our condition and we can seek him and ask for him and knock on the door to have the Holy Spirit in our lives mm, yeah 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 no look that's so so true and look I really want to acknowledge those people who are, are writing in for this particular book because uh, and can I say look if you've uh, written in with the title as well as the um, uh, as well as the code um, our, our robot gets trouble picking that up um, so please just send us in just the code uh, to that uh, number 04888 808 11 uh, all you need to do SA um, 48 uh, I think is our, uh, our 46 today that's right, SA forty six today, and um, our robot will pick that one up. So you don't need to give us the title of that uh, that book as as well. Um, so if you've sent us the title as well, just resend it again with SA forty six, and our robot he'll be able to pick up your uh, uh, your request. Um, all right, Lindy. You know one of the things that I, that stands out to me is uh, um, a second Second Timothy chapter chapter three, and uh, uh, you know it talks about the times the day and the age in which we're living. You know, perilous times, perilous men. But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come and then it's got a list there of of things which of how the last days are going to look and you know they replicate our our day you just look at this list and you say hey you know this is uh, second timothy chapter 3 and verse 1 uh, but the list finishes off with a statement that actually frightens me but it actually reflects on what we're talking about today uh, these people are having a form of godliness but denying its power uh, you know that is the issue that i i suggest to you, our, the Christian church and so many individual churches are actually facing today. And yet uh, the, the scriptures say to us I want the mind of Christ to be in you. I want the, I, I want something, I want a change to take place. He said to Nicodemus, Nicodemus you have to be born again. Unless you're born of water and the spirit, you will not see the kingdom of God. You know, if I look at this, I simply say, hey, you know, the scripture is pleading with us. You know, when I go to uh, Revelation chapter 3, I get the church of the, to the Laodiceans and I stand at the door and knock, you know. So here we've got, got Christ standing at the door and, and, and knocking, pleading to be allowed into the human heart. Uh, do you know, he only comes in uh, through the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, you know, to me, uh, this is such a beautiful picture because, you know, I mean, that book that we were, uh, we're sharing today, it uh, talks about the importance of prayer. The way that Jesus Christ comes into my, uh, my life, into my mind, into my heart is through, through nothing else, uh, than, than prayer. Lindy, look, we do have to finish. But 
but I'm just wondering, how would you like to pray for our, our folks out there? Perhaps there might be someone who might be saying, hey, look, uh, Lord Jesus, come into my heart uh, right now. Uh, would you like to pray for us? I will. Thank you. Father God, you are such an amazing and awesome God, Lord. You created this universe. You created this world. You created us, Lord. And we thank you and praise you. Father, we just want to recognize our great need of you. We need a revival of true godliness right across South Australia, right across Australia, indeed right across the world. And perhaps we're not willing to go and strip off and stand on freezing cold ice, but maybe there's another sacrifice that we are willing to make, Lord, to pray and to seek you in this matter. We are praying, Father, that all those listeners that perhaps feel they aren't in the right group, that will recognize their need, that we all recognize our need of a greater anointing and a pouring out of your Holy Spirit in our lives, Father. Fill us with your power, Lord. Fill us with your love and mercy and grace. And may Christ live in each of us the hope of glory is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Lindy Sparing on Drive Time Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when our discussion with Lindy continues and we look at, is there a solution to carnal Christianity? Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly Bless you. This program has been made possible by the support of Adventist World Radio.